covenant, everything that we have belongs to you, but also everything you have belongs to us. So we enter into that great exchange, that heartfelt exchange with you, acknowledging that covenant through our giving even now. And Father, we command the blessings of the word of God upon each and every one. And we know that what you have blessed, no man can curse. So we thank you for the blessing of God coming upon each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can pass those buckets. If you open your Bibles with you to with me to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matthew 28 and verse 17. Actually, we'll start in verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, Now listen, this is the last thing that Jesus is talking about. Uh, before he ascends into heaven. Jesus has fulfilled his ministry, three and a half years of ministry. Uh, He's been crucified. He's raised from the dead. He spent some time uh, with his disciples. Now he's about to ascend into heaven. Uh, You know, usually you don't say the most frivolous thing you want to say if it's the last thing you're going to say. But if it's the last thing you're going to say, you want it to have great importance uh, upon the future of those with whom you're going to say it. And so Jesus said this, what we uh, tend to uh, phrase as the great commission. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Uh, Mark records it like this. He said, uh, go out and preach the gospel to everyone. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick. He goes on to talk about the things that will happen concerning those who believe as they go out to share the gospel in all the world. In Acts, Luke records that very thing. He tells them to wait in Jerusalem until they are endued with power from on high, baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. And then he He says, so you'll go out and you'll be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we know that has great importance because uh, we have our realm. We live right here. Uh, You know, if we begin to see the Great Commission, we begin to understand different spheres of authority that God has given to us. And really, sometimes we start in our Jerusalem, you know, being, you know, it would be Glenwood Springs or, or Newcastle or silt or or, or our area, our Jerusalem. But really, you can go smaller than that. The beginning of the gospel in our life is our family sphere. How do we take the gospel of Jesus Christ and have an influence within our family? Because if we influence our family as they grow, they begin to filter out into the the city that we live in, right? And so uh, then our, our Jerusalem, our city, our region, uh, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. And so sometimes we can just kind of focus in on our own life. What is God going to do for me, and and how does that work? And so, you know, many, many years ago when we began to pastor the church, um, really it goes really beyond that. You know, I, I when I was uh, called to Glenwood Springs, many of you heard this story, but when I was called to Glenwood Springs and I was settled here, you know, ministering here, I knew that God had called me here. This is this was my place that God had directed me to at that point. It, you know, I didn't know how long I was going to be here, but at that time, you know, I did. And, and I had met Tasha. She'd gone off to Bible school. Uh, uh, we were engaged at the time and she m- 
a missionary came to Bible school and just talked about missions. She got so fired up about missions. She called me. She's like, oh, missions. This person came and we got to go overseas. And we got, and I'm like, all right. So we have to make a determination right now because I'm called to Glenwood Springs. I know that. And if you're called to the world, we probably have a disconnect here. So you might find out if you want to marry me or not, because I'm called to Glenwood Springs. Little did I know that God was working something in us. I thought I would just be here, and we've been in about 25 nations of the world now, right? But when I came here to Glenwood Springs in order to establish New Creation Church, Pastor Craig and Sharon here establishing New Creation Church, the world wasn't really as much on our radar, right? Just establishing, reaching people in our Jerusalem was on our radar. But right after we started pastoring, uh, our connection with Mark and Janet Brzee, and they began to go into all the world and establish Bible schools. And God put on my heart, he said, I want you to expand the vision of the church into the world. And so we got involved in all of the Bible schools that they were doing at the time. We couldn't do much, but we got involved in all the Bible schools uh, that were in the world. And just getting a world vision, I can tell you from that moment that we began to get involved in the world, New Creation Church started to grow. After 10 years of struggling with growth, the moment we got involved in the world, the church started to grow. The moment your, your worldview, even as a believer, begins to expand beyond just you, God's able to pour into you more than you'll ever know. See, sometimes we have a small world. We think our world. We think you know, our church. We think our town. And there's, there's significance to that. But when that's all there is, it fills up pretty fast. And so we're like, oh, I'm so busy. I got so much to do. And sometimes people look at you and say, what? I mean, I look at it sometimes and think, I got so much to do. And I look at somebody like John Bevere and Lisa Bevere. They're traveling all over the world. They got stuff to do. And it seems like they have time to do it. How could they have time to go all over the world? And I'm having trouble just doing my thing. Because when you have just a small world, you can fill it up really fast. But when you have a big world... Right? We think if I have a big world, I'm going to become more busy. But really, there's a con concept. When you enlarge the place of your dwelling, you can get a lot more in a big place than you can in a small place. Right? And so, really, you know, even as a church, you know, we saw that take place. But having a worldview, having a greater worldview... Uh, of missions, of outreach, of how you can do that. Well, I don't really feel called to go into another place in the world, but you can connect with people and help them go. That's really what we did. I didn't even think we were really going to go. I still had that mindset, but just supporting somebody that was going, just giving to ministries that were going began to expand who we were. And really, when you expand who you are, the resource needed to do that, the people resources, financial resources, uh, skill resources to do that have to be brought in to be able to do that, right? So, you know, tonight we're just going to have our, our, our team share about uh, our trip to the Middle East and, and what really just took place. Each one had a different experience, and I think it was Isaiah said this this morning. Uh, he said, you know, every member brought their own particular gifts. It was kind of just looking at the body. So each one will probably have a little bit different view, a little bit different story uh, of how they saw their team working and what was going on. Uh, but again, just to give you, if you weren't here this morning, we, we handed out, there were, there were two weeks.
weeks where uh, teams came and over 5,000 uh, Bibles were handed out. And I think, uh, if I read it right, 208, 200 and something like that, 208 people were born again and gave their life to Jesus. And so uh, the impact there was, was uh, powerful just to work together with the team there uh, was powerful, and uh, just so many things that uh, uh, we could share, and, and uh, you know, for the whole team, you know, uh, you know, just whatever you can share and be concise will help the next team member uh, be able to share and uh, do what they're, they want to do, and so um, we'll just get this started. Jeff and Megan, why don't you come? You can come individually. You can come together. Uh, but uh, they're part of our team, and each one of our teams is just going to share a little bit of a testimony about uh, our, our Middle East mission trip. I, again, I want, I want, hopefully it'll expand your worldview, uh, understanding, you know, uh, that, you know, you can jump on board or you can give, you can do whatever, but uh, going in and seeing uh, what's going on in different parts of the world uh, just really expands and, and helps us understand some things. So let her rip. Is on. There it is. All right. Um, so I had so many different things I wanted to talk about. Um, but just hearing what we were starting off with, with the boldness earlier, what he was talking about, that's one of the biggest things that I took away from this trip was the boldness that not only our team had, but the locals there that were preaching to the others that we were trying to reach. There was a boldness there because for them, if they're caught preaching Jesus, they can be shipped back and put to death. So this is how serious it is for those folks to actually go out and spread the word of Jesus. And they did it with a boldness and a strength, and they were so happy to do it. There was joy in their heart when they did it. They took, it, they took every person they were talking to like, we have to save you. Um, and so that's one of the things that was a connect for me was like, wow, that's, that's so intense because we lack that here in the U.S. Um, we have a, 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 this thing where we're afraid to be offended and call the name like a Jesus freak or something like that. But yet they're out there put, literally putting their lives on the line to spread out his word. Um, and so that was one of the takeaways for me for, for us to do and for me to do specifically is get out there and be more bold just like they were doing. Um, one of the things, too, that was so refreshing, too, for another thing that I saw as part of our team, we were paired with a, a pastor and his wife and two other fellows. Um, one of them was just 17 years old. And for us, that's like right in our group with our older kids. So it was very refreshing to see somebody that young just taking the word, and he was actually baptized there. Um, he was that new to it, but he would engage people that were kind of standoffish at first, and he would engage them with the boldness of, let's say, Pastor Mark. Like, he was, a, he just went for it. Um, and so that's one of the things that I, I, I really want to, to get out there for everybody else is we can do, we can do that. We have the strength, we have the knowledge, um, and so it's, it's our calling to do that for some people and it's it's our commission to go do that and making that nation all over the place so that was a, a huge thing for me to take away from this
I just want to provide a little bit of background and then I'll kind of go into my testimony. So there was nine of us from New Creation that went. Um, we were paired with um, English-speaking believers from um, various countries within the heart of the Middle East as well as non-English-speaking Christian believers. So it was kind of an eclectic mix of um, believers with various talents. When we would hit the streets, um, those of us from the United States were the ones packing the Bibles. And because if any of the, the locals, we'll, we'll call them locals, but um, any, any of the Middle Easterns were caught with Bibles, persecution was, was pretty severe. So we could have felt as if our our mission alone was just to be pack mules, but we were so much more, so much more. There was a lot of opportunity for us to fellowship without even having the language. There was so much to learn in body language. There was so much that you can see in uh, relief and joy and that, that crosses uh, language barriers. So when we would hit the streets, um, we'd, we'd walk anywhere between, I'd say, seven and eight miles, um, sometimes more a day. We, we put on a lot of miles, and we made a lot of contacts. And I, I, can, I can liken it to a chess match. Um, our, our paired believers would hear somebody speaking a particular dialect or language, or in some cases, it was the way that the ladies put their makeup on. That was enough, and they just knew that these uh, were targeted uh, potential believers. They would make contact with these uh, men and women on the street, and it was very much a chess match, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and, a, and a lot of these people needed to be convinced. They, they were concerned and, and had a lot of um, anger, angst, disbelief with their um, Muslim heritage. But again, like Jeff said, it was risky to take, to take such a bold move to, to claim Christianity. They dove head first. So many dove head first. Um, they weren't just dipping toes in and making um, unwarranted promises to follow a savior so that we would leave them alone. Tears flowed. People cried. People shared with us um, dreams. We, we prayed and prayed and prayed prior to going that um, God would pave the way and he would open up hearts, and he did just that. I can't tell you how many times that we would contact um, a potential believer or um, now a believer, but they would, they would share with us that they dreamed of Jesus or Jesus, Jesus came to them a night or two before we contacted them and said that they would be given a gift, a Bible, a book, that they would be shown how much they were loved. And then we would contact them, and you could just see tears flowing. And it wasn't just theirs, okay? We cried too. It was so, so very impactful. Um, I, I, along with Jeff's um, statement about boldness, we, um, the ladies of the trip were kind of coached prior that um, the, Muslim, the Muslim culture, um, women are, are second-class citizens. Um, it is not proper for, for a lot of things. Um, that was something that I was going to struggle with. I don't take a uh, back seat very well. 
So for me to be quiet was something that I had to really focus on. But I learned a lot just watching. Um, the first night that we went out, there was a gentleman, and it was very much, again, a, a back-and-forth chess match as um, the Iranian pastors that we were with were um, discussing really um, all, all of the, um, the reasons why they were loved by, by God and by Jesus. And this guy was just on the edge. And I asked if I could provide my healing testimony to him. Something about, some, The Holy Spirit just came upon me and said, this is the right time. I put my hands out, um, just like this. I put my hands out in front of him. I didn't lay hands on him because that would have been culturally unacceptable. And he put his hands in mine. And we cried together as, as I explained to him my testimony. And then he, he accepted the Savior. Okay? accepted Jesus as his savior. So much moving, so much moving in the Middle East, and they are so hungry. And I, I would really echo um, Jeff's response that we, we take a lot for granted. I mean, I, I'll dive myself out. There's plenty of times I get up on a Sunday and say, I don't feel like it, or today's not the day, or I'm just too tired. I can come up with a million excuses. They don't. They're hungry. And we we lack that fire. We have, we have plenty more that we can do. Who do you want up next? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You got me on. Um, and again, as, we, as the team starts to give you their observation, you know, you may think, well, you know, I'm sitting here. I think I have fire. They're just observing a, a, a a depth of commitment um, that has stirred them, and in, in, in hopefully it stirs you because it really, it really is something that's that's uh, uh, much different. And again, because of the culture, the threat's much different, but the boldness is much different. And so, you know, as as Jeff said, sometimes our threat is maybe being called a name. Uh, their threat is much more. Yeah. And so, how can how can we look at Jesus and our commitment to Him in such a a different way. Amen. Praise the Lord. Melo, why don't you come in? Hallelujah. So, you know, our team leader, if somebody would get saved or when we'd get going as soon as we get done to pray, and we adopted this as our, our little theme over there. And so I'll give this to her so she can answer. But he would always, all of a sudden, somebody would pray, we'd start walking again. He'd go, somebody say. Hallelujah. And so, uh, you know, if I ever get up on Sunday morning and say, somebody say. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Go ahead, Melo. Um. It's hard to say kind of one pinpoint. So be, because there was an odd number of us, um, there was always one person who was by themselves um, with the people we were with. And starting out, that was me. And I was with a group. I did have an English speaker and then three non-English speakers. So if he happened to go off, it was Google Translate all the way. Um, but what was really special about the group I was paired with, all week we were with the same group. And so we got to know them and we got to be with them the whole time. And I was paired with a mom and a daughter. Um, the daughter was 11. And I would see this 11-year-old girl cut crowds because she spotted somebody and would just go and start giving them this Bible 
and her mom would follow and would just begin to preach. And sometimes it was really quick, and they would take the Bible, be thankful, and move on. But they would always start the same way, you know, Happy New Year, we have a gift for you. Because eventually I started asking, what are, what, how do you start, you know, how do you start talking to these people? And um, it was very odd in their culture to receive anything for free. And so it was very like, what is this advertisement? No, thank you. And, but once they say no, no, like, please take it, explaining. And then some people would just sit and listen, and she'd preach for 10 minutes. And they would just listen and stay silent. And I would just watch their countenance, you know, their face of like, oh, thank you for a gift. And then it would get really serious. And then tears would flow. And next thing I know, they're praying. <laughs> and they're being led to Christ. And the next thing I know, because the <clears throat> English speaker I was with was really young. He's about 19. He wouldn't interpret as it went on. He would wait till the end. If I asked him, <laughs> he wasn't very forthright with information. I would say, how did that go? What happened, you know? And, oh, they accepted Jesus, you know? And it'd be like, wow, praise God, you know? And, um, but it was just amazing to me that it was business to them, you know? They had the joy as they were walking, but it was pure business because we would kind of have some conversations, but it would just be cut and all of a sudden, they'd be off talking to somebody. And I would just be walking, like, you know, praying, and or we'd talk, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, what are they? Oh, they're over there, you know? Because they are in a mode. They are in a mode. They see it. They can see it on their face. They know who they're looking for. Um, and it just really humbled me. Because I'm like, when are we walking through crowds and allowing the Holy Spirit to just say that one? go. That one, go. And it just over and over and over. And um, I would link arm in arm, you know, with the mom and her daughter, and we would walk the streets because, you know, I heard in the culture that men would walk hand in hand, arm in arm, and they do that there. And honestly, it's so you don't get separated because there's so many people. But um, I also, because I uh, the uh, number I roomed with one of these uh, missionaries as well, so I got paired. Luckily, she spoke English, <laughs> and so we were able to converse in our hotel room. Um, but the stories that she told me from home, you know, um, that her dad basically told her you have to leave, and her mom became a believer, and he threatened divorce. So she basically told him, "No, I'm not." but really she is, and that's what they live in. And one story that really stuck out to me, because there was a day that, um, I don't know if any of you were here at the second service when Mindy showed the Bible, but they have a pamphlet and they have a SD card in them. We had to put those together. And so the leader asked me to stay behind um, to help, and I did. And it was like over 2,000 Bibles that were stuffing and we're taping, and we just, it's me and the 11-year-old girl and another one. And so we just were stuffing thousands of Bibles. Because we got all the Bibles together for the team that was coming after us, too, so they wouldn't really have to do much more. And so, talking with him, he had great English, this other one. 
But he's telling me, he's like, please pray that we get to America. Please pray. And he was telling everybody this, but he's like, just pray. He's like, I want to wake up one day of my life that I do not hear the call to prayer from Islam. He's like, every day I've been alive, 5.30 in the morning, I start my day with that call to prayer. And it's five times a day. And you hear it as you're ministering to people on the street, especially if you were in a particular area where we were. It was so loud. It is in your face. And um, for him to just say, I just want to wake up to a Christian song. I just want to wake up to silence. I just want to wake up to nothing, you know. And that really touched me. And my roommate, every day, she would wake up. She would have earplugs in. She would sit on her bed facing away from me and I could just hear her praying and I could hear her crying and I could hear her just worshiping the Lord in her own little bed. This room was pretty small and I just, I was so floored by that. She didn't care I was in there. She didn't care. Like, you know, she knew what she had ahead of her and one last thing I'll share is that we had a schedule every day and we would have breaks The Americans had breaks, (laughs) okay? Because I found out later during our breaks, that team was out on the street again. We would have dinner at 8 or 9 o'clock at night after going on the street. And all of them would leave together. And I kind of was like, where are they going? You know, why aren't they hanging out with us? They were going out again. So from 8.30 in the morning, we're having breakfast. And then we have a church service. And then we'd hit the streets, lunch break, but they'd go out again. Another session, dinner, they'd go out again. So as we're getting rest time, they're like, we're getting more people. And I didn't find that out till about day three. And that was just amazing to me that they just were like, we'll go out. We'll carry our own Bibles. We'll do it. And um, that fire and that hunger, we need that here. It's really important. And so... more context for you you know when we went there and we were uh teamed up with uh, the teams that we were uh teamed up with you know everybody you know we didn't we didn't we just got right into the flow of what was going on and so we didn't understand a lot of what was being said uh, but it helped us i believe it helped us because we began to have to think about and pick up on what was going on and the sensitivity that they were having. And I I was talking to the whole team, you know, um, as we were walking, we were having to, at least I was and most of the people, they were identifying through, you know, different means um, who it was that they were going to talk to, right? So they recognized their own people, uh, you know, apart from you know, other people in the Middle East or, or where we were. And so they, they could recognize them. They would engage with them like they said, but we didn't know that. So, you know, I kept just like going, how do they recognize? How do they know these people? And it caused me to say, okay, I don't know any of this. They're not telling me like this is, you know, they said a few things of their keys, but I started just going, God, help me to understand looking at people as we're walking around. Help me, as Melo said, that, that sensitivity that's going on. And so we, we didn't come into something that we just kind of, uh, they briefed us on everything. Uh, we just kind of jumped in 
full steam, and we had to start learning and developing those relationships, and, and really, they just came together. You know, you don't always need to know everything and know about everything. You could just have an open heart, and God begins to meld things together and show you and, and help you understand what it is that, that you're there for and how that all works so that, you know, even uh, as she said, you know, you can be moving about your day, but there's something about an awareness uh, to what's going on. And so, you know, I know that some of you are doing that. You're even asking God every day, God, bring somebody across my path that I can minister to. And that takes a little bit of an awareness to hear something that they say or have something stir in your heart uh, that triggers like, this is the person that God's brought across my path and be sensitive to that. And so even as she was saying, we're walking up and down and they had to be sensitive, make contact. Um, and once they make contact, you know, wish them a happy new year. We were there for the Iranian new year. So people were celebrating and just say, happy new year. We want to give you a gift from God. And so then people would reach out to grab that and then they would look at it. And if they stopped, then they would start explaining what it was and who Jesus was. And uh, it really just became amazing, the openness of heart that they have. And so Isaiah, why don't you come and share? Praise the Lord. All right. Are y'all enjoying this, getting something out of that contact? Amen. So um, this morning I was able to share a story that impacted me. And I knew tonight I didn't want to share the same story, but I was like, what am I going to say? I have no idea. I already said what I was going to say. So then I started thinking and looking back on my trip, um, this is the third opportunity I've had to go on a missions trip to a different country. And so the first mission trip, I was 14, and it was just such an eye-opening experience, something that I had never seen before. And then I went on another one when I was 18, and I saw for the first time, like, what it meant to be on fire for the Lord. But I was 18 in college, and I was like, that's cool, but I'm in college now. Maybe once I'm out of college, like, that's going to be me. And then, so when this trip came about, I was like, what, what's God going to show me? I know it's something. It always is. What's it going to be? And uh, just throughout my trip, well, the leading up to it, I recently just graduated college, and I was looking forward to making money, like, just living the American dream, and right as I started, my vision started getting so far out, God put a roadblock in the way, and I was like, uh, this wasn't expected, what's going on? And the trip comes about, and right before I'm leaving, my mom is like, God's going to call or God's going to reveal to you that you're supposed to stay over there and do missions trips in the Middle East for the rest of your life. And I was like, please, God, like, no, like, I will do anything except for that. And so just as the the trip kept going and going, um, I was paired with a a 22-year-old kid over there. And meanwhile, like, my... I just graduated from college, like my life is good. I get to talk to him and he's like, my, in my family, I pay the rent because my family is doing missions work over here. And so I work all the time, but my money goes to, to rent. And he, being a refugee, he had to leave his country. And so he no longer belongs 
to a country, and so he has no identity or a place that he can, like, call home. And that just really, like, resonated in my heart. I was like, man, I just feel for this guy. And we just became so close throughout the trip, and we were able to talk and talk and talk. And I was just, like, picking his brain, and I was like, man, like, what's it like, like, being a 22-year-old in a country that's 99% Muslim as a Christian? And he's like, oh, my, my friends that I grew up with, they don't talk to me. My, when I was at school, the teachers would bring, brought me into a back room multiple times, and they were like, if you keep telling people that you're a Christian, we're going to kick you out of school because we don't want anyone that identifies as a Christian in this school influencing the, the Muslims. And he kept doing it. He was like, I don't care, like, I'm a Christian. And so they kicked him out of school, and um, he was working as a, at a barber shop, and he was uh, just preaching to the people that would come in. He was sharing the gospel with the, the people that he would cut their hair, and the owner of the barber shop found out, and he was fired. And so then he was just at ground zero. He was like, he's like, I have nothing going for me in my life. Like, what's going on? But then he realized that his identity isn't in a location, it's in God, it's in Christ. And then he told me that, because I asked him, I was like, so would you say that it's all worth it for you? Like all the lost friendships, all the lost opportunities with getting kicked out of school and all that? And he's like, no doubt, like that's my identity's in Christ. And I started thinking on the plane ride back, I was like, it just really hit me that your identity isn't a pinpoint. It's not a location. It's in Christ. And it just kind of brought the whole trip together for me. And it was an amazing experience. Probably right in front of me. There you go. All right. Come on, Zane. Hallelujah. So Zane and Isaiah were a team together with their team. So he had the same young man talking to him about uh, his commitment to God. And their, their interpreter, Brian, who he was talking about, he was just such a unique guy, but such a, I mean, he was on fire for God and, and for his family. So go ahead. Well, welcome again. Um, what can I say with, that uh, these guys haven't already said? Such an amazing opportunity, such an amazing people. But one of the things that uh, I'm just going to kind of share maybe two, two different things um, that I found unique. Because um, I'd never been on a trip quite like this, um, which I was excited to do um, in, a, in a persecuted area of the world. Um, but for me, you know, I'm, maybe it's too many Jason Bourne movies or something. But um, when I got over there... Um, when they say underground church, like, you know, you hear that and you're like, ooh, you know, that's, that's, you know, the underground church of China or the underground church in the Middle East or whatever. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. But until you've actually been there and lived and seen what they go under, the underground brings a whole new meaning. Um, even, even at the point, like, we met in a, in a, a room that was kind of separated off, fourth floor, kind of un, un, uh, communicated, untalked about. Everything that, I, that we did, it really felt like a special ops mission. 
um, where it was secretive. You know, we were loading things that uh, that were that were not allowed in that country. We were going out, we were encountering people. And, you know, even just the way we would walk down the streets and stuff, um, like I said, we were uh, with Isaiah um, and our two gals, um, they were, or the, our two leaders, they, they didn't speak real good English. As a matter of fact, I think my, the one gal, she, uh, I just remember two words, she'd always say books, because that was the Bible, so she wanted to know if we had more books. Um, but other than that, they spoke very, very little English, so Brian was a real asset to us. But they, you know, even the way we do it, she would engage people, you know, we would follow behind, we were prayer support for the most part, and just, you know, praying the whole time, just opening up, and then they would engage people, and they, uh, Farzad was the, the gentleman that was uh, uh, with us. He would go, and it was almost like you'd step out, and everybody would watch for the undercover cops of, like, you know, just eyes on them while they're talking to people. And it was just, it was really, it was really eye-opening that way of just how much, you know, uh, that they did and, and how much was at risk on that. But what I really walked away from is um, that the body of Christ is a family. Um, because, and what was so cool is I think out of the 16 or so that were there, um, of the, of the, we'll call them the nationals, um, I think there were four complete families, mother, father, um, the couple of the 19 year olds, like our, the gal that we worked with, they weren't a married couple because he was actually, her husband was working with another team, but they were complete families. They were doing this together as a whole family and loving it. I mean, they were all excited. They'd come back together, tell stories of what they did. And you wouldn't think, you know, you just encounter these people. They're halfway around the world. Um, how well can we get to know them? But in four days, you left and go, wow, like, like a brother. You're like a brother. You know, I, we know that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But they feel like family and as we were leaving, one thing that impacted us is the night we were leaving after we, we'd kind of come back, Brian, he was, he was a fireball for sure. He worked at a hotel just around the corner. And so he was like, hey, I got to go to work, but come on up. He goes, I can get you on the, the highest level, and you can kind of oversee the city at night. And so our last night, Isaiah and I went over there and went up and uh, took, a, and Matt, uh, Pastor Matt from Steamboat went with us, and we went up and we just took a look over. But as we were coming back, we encountered our team leaders again on the outside to say goodbye one more time. And I remember, because he didn't speak very good English, so the Google Translate thing, but he typed in and he said, please pray for us because the things in, in Turkey, our situation here is getting desperate. And the refugee thing is a real thing. Like, they don't belong to anybody. So after a certain period of time, they can either be deported back or they can be kicked. And he was like, please pray that, that the United Nations accepts our refugee status and we can head to a different country because our time's running out. And he was really, they were getting really close to two-year mark or whatever it was. And, you know, just heartbreaking of like, you guys risk so much. And, you know, just we'll go back with the fervor of praying and the receptionist. So those were a couple things. Amazing, amazing trip. And then just to see the ancient cities, um, to walk where, where you know, the Apostle Paul and, and John walked, just to put your feet on that kind of ground is 
it's ah. I mean, I, I was telling a lot of people here when you step on those soils. At least for me, when I stepped on that on the soils over there, you can feel time. You know, like we think, oh, our nation's we're world guys. We don't even touch what was over there. Like layers of civilizations, whole cities buried, and you can just you start walking and going through, and it's like living a history lesson. It was that was impactful to me, and uh, so yeah, amazing trip. Absolutely amazing trip. Oh, glory to God. He tells us to, uh, really, uh, I like what uh, uh, Zane said, that family, and you recognize it. We were telling the team before we went, Tasha and I had this experience uh, one time when we went to the Ukraine and certainly didn't understand what everybody was saying. We taught in a Bible school. We had an interpreter. But, you know, sitting around the table with people, we were generally the odd man out, which, you know, sometimes when you're around and somebody doesn't speak the same language you do, and, it, and even as Christians, you know, we can sit around a table and start talking about the Lord, and somebody on the outside doesn't really know what you're talking about. But when you feel like the odd man out, you're just sitting there. But, you know, we had a, a prayer meeting in Ukraine, and, and we all got together, and we began to pray and sing and worship God, and all of a sudden, language, everything just went away, and uh, we were family, and so the Bible just talks about the whole family of God in heaven and on earth, and when you begin to connect with other believers in different places in the world, it's just like they're family, and uh, man, God knit us together incredibly fast. And, uh, you know, we look at those things and we understand the bond that they have. Uh, as they were saying, the bond that they had as a team, they, they really had each other's back. Uh, for significant reasons, they had each other back. And the unity of the faith and the love of God for them meant something very deep. And, uh, you know, certainly I'm sure they're human beings. They have every reason when they're working together all close like that, that they could get offended. But uh, offense just doesn't really fit in their time frame right there. Because some of them that were with us came out of their country specifically to do this. And really, after our week, they were going back to a place where if it was found out that they were Christians, if it was found out that they were coming and sharing the gospel, they would be persecuted. But they came out and they went back in. And so just to be offended at what somebody else did or said really just wasn't a timely thing. There was too much importance on what they were doing together uh, to, to just really get upset about uh, more trivial things in life. And so there is so much that we take for granted that when you begin to get that view and really understand, you know what, we really don't have to let those things really get in and create division uh, because they're there. And, uh, you know, uh, Isaiah shared this this morning, but many times people had a, a testimony when they came back that was really amazing as they began to share. He shared this morning that, that these two men, or these two people, I don't know exactly whether they're men or women, but they came out, they had gone in to view this church I think it was an Orthodox church, and they just came to see all the paintings and all that stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, as Muslims, they just were saying, God, if you're real, we want to know if you're real. They went into the church and really uh, said, you know, we went into the church and there was really nothing there except for art and stuff. And they came back and they encountered this team and gave them a Bible and, and really then encountered the presence of God. But they had been asking God, and God... Uh, 
really met them right where they were at. There were other team members that as they began to witness, they said, uh, I had a vision of this, somebody coming to me and telling me about Jesus. So there's something actively working in their hunger for God, that God is really ministering to them and uh, uniquely positioning them in places to get to know what is going on. And they're under, you know, we, we might not think as much, but they're under really that oppression of, of religion. And, um, and, and really, it amazed me at how, how much uh, the oppression of their religion um, and, and the, 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 what's upon them as a weight has caused them to really hate not only religion, but hate God. And uh, really, the moment that they realize that God loves them, God is not making them pay in some way, it just, their eyes light up and it, and it perks them up, you know. And I told this morning, if you weren't here this morning, it was just, it, it moved me so much that that young woman, you know, she just said, you know, even though, I mean, it's sometimes hard to grapple with your mind what they're going through, but how they, how they move outside of that, it's almost like, you know, your teenage kids that... Uh, you know, you have all the rules at home, but when they step outside of that, you know, they can't wear certain clothes. When they get with their friends, they wear certain clothes. So when they, when they went out on vacation, they looked pretty normal. And so uh, her hair was dyed. She was just wearing a vest and a hoodie and stuff. But she said when she's at home, she has to, and out, she has to wear that burqa. And she's been told that if her hair comes outside of that burqa, that that's so wrong and that God will hang her by that hair. Right. And then, you know, as you heard uh, when others have come to minister that they were they're told, you know, to beat themselves to the point that that even some of the men were taking swords to the head until, uh, you know, it cut them so bad. That was their way of paying for their sin and their punishment. And she was saying the same thing. Our God demands this and he hates us. And when we were able to just talk to them about Jesus and how much Jesus loved them. But you know, there's people around us that feel like that they have to pay for their sin. They're under oppression of religion or, or the bondage of sin. And, uh, you know, we may say, well, that's them over there. But, you know, we're here in America. Nobody really has a need of anything, and they don't want to listen. But you know what? They're all burdened down. And when they actually know and hear how much Jesus loves them and the price that Jesus paid for them, it's the message that's carried by the anointing of the Spirit of God that penetrates their heart. And there's so many of them that have, have really woken up and said, God, if you're real, just send somebody to tell me. But in that particular case, there were people out on the streets ready to tell them. But there's people waking up in America. There's people waking up in Glenwood Springs every single day saying, God, I'm under oppression. I I'm struggling with my life. I'm feeling hopeless. If you're real... Send somebody to tell me, and we're it, right? Our assignment is exactly the same. We really didn't have to fly halfway around the world to figure this out, but it sure helped impress us that there are people out there that are bold enough to do it and that we can do this where we live as well. And really, we just had the team share that with you uh, tonight, that if in any way it, it just stirs you to what's going on all over the world, to help you get a, an expansive mindset, because he said, go into all the world, your world and beyond. But as you begin to open up beyond your, your realm, you might be so busy, but you open up. That just means you open a bigger container. And in that bigger container, more can fit in that. And it's not quite so busy as the container gets bigger, right? Right? Because you have to fill that place up.
And so God's been preparing us for what he's prepared for us. So we get to occupy that next realm, that next place. And I pray that, you know, uh, really you get with, this is just a, a small portion of what this team saw and went through. They said that, you know, there's many stories. And so they're just part of your body. It'd be great to say, you know what, uh, can we go to lunch next Sunday? Can we uh, tell me what, what more went on just to stir your heart to say, you know what, this is exciting. This is something that God's doing around the world. When we talk about revival, God's doing something all over the world. And uh, if we're just kind of sitting and waiting for it, uh, we don't have to wait anymore. It's happening. And uh, if it's happening there, it's happening here. Amen. And some of you may have testimonies like, well, um, that happened there, but guess what happened with me the other day? Well, that's the importance of your testimony. Pastor Tasha shared that, you know, last week, the importance of testimony is God's doing stuff around the world. He did something with this team. We learned stuff that, that maybe we wouldn't have learned about other people. We learned about joining together, but that's going on everywhere and can be going on in your life right now. But the most important thing to know is whatever is going on in your life right now, Jesus loves you. God loves you. Jesus paid the price for whatever you're going through. Whatever the enemy wants to attach to you to create bondage and heaviness and feel like you're hopeless and you're helpless and there's no way out. I might be talking to the choir right now, but you know he attacks every single person at different times with, you know what, is it even worth it? But I'm just telling you, just as, as Isaiah said, Brian just said, you know, you could say, well, you know, I've lost a friend over the gospel. I, I lost my job. I, uh, is it worth it? But, you know, he just said, man, this is just who I am in Christ. And to know that, you know, God, what God did for us, uh, he really put worth on us that we could say, you know what? It's worth it to serve God. It's worth it to accept what Jesus has done for us. Amen? And so uh, we just had them share their testimony. You have a testimony. We'll have uh, those take place, you know, at different times as we, we go through this. You know, we love to hear your testimonies. If you're watching there and you have testimonies, go on the website, share your story with us. Um, it, it's just important to share some things of experience. And as you are listening, uh, it may have registered with you uh, a deep it may have just like, this is awesome uh, what other, other people got to do, uh, but it also, if he did it for our team, he'll do it for you. He's opened up doors of opportunity everywhere for you to minister and serve people wherever you are. And I hope that, you know, if you have a desire to go overseas and see what God's doing all over the world, that he, he's going to open doors for you and, and make uh, a way uh, to fulfill what he's put in your heart. Amen? So it's not just for one. If he did it for one, he would do it for any, anybody, anywhere. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Glory to God. Well, we just want to end. Uh, we want to pray over this prayer cloth. And is there anybody here, you need healing in your body? Raise your hand. If you need healing in your body, you have symptoms. So if you are raising your hand, then just stand up uh, right now. Just go ahead and stand up. Praise the Lord. If you, need a prayer for, if you need prayer for healing, all right, so the rest of you around here, the Bible says that these signs will follow them that believe, amen? If they lay hands on the sick, the sick might maybe kind of recover. No, it says these signs will follow them that believe. If they lay hands on the sick, the sick will recover. So if you are a believer, find somebody around you that is standing up. And put your hands on them. I'm going to pray over this prayer cloth. And you begin to pray for them. Praise the Lord. Come on over here. We got some people over here. And we're going to pray together.
and believe that through your hands and a believing heart, anointing will be released that every symptom, every sickness, every disease, every pain will leave them on the basis of the blood of Jesus. For as we said this morning, he reconciled it in himself. He already bore those things that they're enduring in their body. Jesus already bore that, and he conquered that so that they could be absolutely free. If he bore that sickness and disease, it's not theirs to bear. So, Father, we thank you right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Father, we pray over each one of these who have experienced and or are experiencing symptoms or any manner of sickness or disease in their body right now. We pray over this prayer cloth right now. Father, whatever the symptom is, whatever the situation, physically, mentally, emotionally, we thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that you shed, that blood you shed when you laid over that whipping post and bore stripes upon your back. Your word declares that by your stripes... We are healed. Your word says that you took our infirmities and you bore our sicknesses. If you took them and you bore them, then they're not ours to bear. So we thank you right now, Father, by faith that a supernatural anointing is released through these believers into these ones who are weak or frail or ailing or attacked in their body by any sickness or any disease. And as that anointing is released through believers into their body, it goes right to the source of that pain, the source of that sickness, the source of that discomfort the source of that disease, that that anointing is going right to the source right now, and it's destroying the very source by the power and the anointing of God, that as that, that, that begins to leave their body, it begins to wither and die, it begins to cease and desist in its operation, that each and every one, by the anointing of God, receives healing, and it begins to create a wholeness, not just a healing, but a cure for their body. We thank you for it. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, thank you for the anointing. Thank you for healing. For anyone who's watching on live stream, suffering in their body, we thank you right now, God, that it's not time or space. Even as the centurion, Jesus just spoke the word. We speak to bodies right now over live stream. We speak to your body. Lumps, bumps, tumors, and growths must shrivel and die and leave bodies right now. We thank you that heart and hearts and blood would be restored. Blood would be made right. The flow of blood would be made right. Arteries would be opened up. Veins would be opened up in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We thank you for a great flow of blood where it was, where it was hindered in the name of Jesus. We thank you for that. We thank you, Father, for that vertebrae right now. That that vertebrae uh, that was damaged in that accident, we thank you, Lord, for reparation right now, the, the, that where it's broken, even that, that fracture, Father, to come together in the name of Jesus, for that vertebrae to be made whole and the pain, the nerves that have, have been so inflamed around that, to come, uh, to, that inflammation to go down right now, and that nerve pain to leave their body, and total restoration and freedom of movement to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for healing power. We thank you, Lord. 
We thank you. Wherever there's a testimony of the word, a testimony of Jesus Christ and what you've done, there's power present to heal. So we thank you right now. Thank you right now for healing each one of these bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, we thank you. Uh, A little different service tonight, but praise the Lord. God's full of variety. God's full of variety. And uh, praise the Lord. He's doing something amazing in the world. We're in the midst of revival. Amen. So say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.